welcome to the X-Factor Team Roping Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and go to xfactorroping.com. When did you start roping and really figuring out when you wanted to rope? Man, I don't remember a day I think that I didn't rope. I've always had a rope in my hand since I was two years old. Um, we, My dad was a calf roper, but when I was eight, he started team roping. So I'd break away rope since I was probably five on a horse and then we started team roping when I was eight and he could start taking me to ropings and stuff. So I probably started jackpotting when I was 11 and just, you know, we'd went to jackpots after jackpots. He hauled me to ropings everywhere that we could get to. But even in like the high school, I healed through high school, but I would go to the like Shawnee or the high school finals and I'd, jack I'd head at the jackpots and I would have trouble getting partners. Like right. I remember paying some guys fees and there were some guys that rope with you and some that wouldn't. And, and uh, it seems like I never did really progress till 22, 23, but um, I was probably 18, right? 19, went to a bunch of amateur rodeos. I was telling you that I'd, you know, I think we went to 120 the first year of rodeo just trying to make the IPRA finals right. and guys make them in 10 rodeos, you know, like <laughs> the guys, the, 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 you know, the veterans, they can, they go and they win. And, uh, I remember missing 23 steers in a row rodeoing at first. And I was always a jackpotter. Like I ran, went and jackpotted all the time, could catch most of my cows. But as soon as I backed in at the rodeo from day one, I went too fast, like just tried to go way too fast. Uh, you know, wasn't prepared for going that fast, but thought I needed to go fast. And it took me a long time to slow down and go back to using my horses a little bit like I was raised to. Right. But um, I, uh, I was going to go to college, and I sure wish I would have now. But at the time, I thought I had to rodeo. Like I thought the only way for me to make it is if you go right now. And uh, I'm, I mean, I'm lucky at the way it's worked out. It's worked out fine, but you got plenty of time to go to school and right. mature and figure some things out in your roping and, you know, and plenty of places to go and spend your money in a better way than I did. Um, but uh, I was 21. I think I finished 17th. I missed the NFR by 2000. And then I made it with Michael Jones when I was 22. And uh, it was just crazy the fact that that I remember being almost in the top 15 was huge. Right. Like just almost being, being in the top 20 was, I could not believe that I was in the top 20 or 25. Sure. But then, yeah. And was that your rookie year in the PRCA? When did you buy your card? I bought my card in, I think it was 2001. Okay. And then made it in 03. Okay. So when you were 18, you were No, 19. I was 20 when I bought my card. When you bought your card. Mm -hmm. And uh, so... I want to go back to the 23 in a row you missed yeah. amateur yeah. rodeo on. Yeah. It was a guy named Jimmy Mills. Right. And Sam Smith rodeoed with me, and I missed 23 in a row. What does your partner say about fifth or sixth or seventh? I think what was funny, <laughs> looking back, it probably wasn't funny at the time, but what was funny is the fact that they had a guy that went fast, and I guarantee the only reason they roped with me was like, well, this kid's got a nice horse, and he'll go turn us a bunch of steers, and we'll win what we win. Right. Well, I see the other guy going fast, and that's just what I thought I needed to do. And, I mean, I would throw 
not even ready to throw. I would throw where the cow was going to be. Sure. Then, uh, but you know what? I don't know if it helped you getting ready or, you know, if, if I had it to do over again, would I try to be more conservative or, or did it get me prepared to well, be th- ready to throw? I don't know. I think there's something, something to be said about missing and getting better from missing. Right. You know, if you're, if you can figure out how to progress from missing and not let it snowball and get worse, granted it, I, 23 is, is a lot. Oh, I mean, yeah, sir. I've went some pretty I went, spells. I think too. pro rodeoing in 2009, which was my best year rodeoing, I think is the best year I've ever had as far as during this season. I'd missed nine in a row at one time. Nine. And this year, I almost caught up. I, caught, I missed eight in a row this year. Well, and it's funny because, like you say, you missed 23 in a row amateur rodeoing, but that might be like two weeks like nine rodeos could be almost, I mean, it could be, oh, that's right. it can be a month of pro rodeos because there's just not as many, you don't go to as many pro Oh, th- this summer it was plum. I mean, just make you sick and, and then you can't. I mean, I know, and even I would tell someone to, hey, why don't you just go make a run? But when you get somewhere and four threes went in the last hole, you, you go to throwing where you think you need to throw instead of actually roping the steer right. is what I was doing. But, you know, it's something was off. Something somewhere was off to make it that bad. Well, you just finding the balance between believing in yourself and knowing what it takes to win. And, you know, if you can believe that when you throw on your rope, it's a catch. <laughs> and, and you know that that's the spot where it's going to win money. I think that that's when it starts to feel okay when you can justify the missing. But it's when they're like, man, I, I don't really know what happened, but I threw my rope. I, <laughs> oh, I, I was going through I, that. I if I would catch or miss, it felt the same. Right. Like I, I didn't know the difference. When I turn it loose, I think it's going to catch and it wouldn't. Or I would think I was going to miss one and it would catch. But it just took getting going. And I mean, the more you stay out there and the more rodeos you go to, it finally comes around. Right. And just being able to, do you, do you kind of get like a focus point with that that you try to go with? Or what do you do at that point? I mean, because I think if you let your mind go, it could just be a whole can of oh, worms. Oh, it was, it was rough this year. It was rough because I'd missed, you know, and I, honestly, I don't think I, I have it wrote down in, in the house. I think I might have missed 15 total. But at one time, I mean, when you miss eight in a row, it feels like you've missed for months. Right. So, um I would ask all my buddies, and they're just being your buddies. They're like, man, it's going to turn around. You rope good enough. Don't worry about it. But finally, I had to call. I called Joe Beaver, and I'm asking him if I can send him some videos. And before I even got off the phone, three minutes later, he he had, he guessed it. He guessed exactly what it was, nailed it to a T, and he. I just could not wait to run another steer. Like I knew in my head. I mean, he said something that just clicked in my head. And then after that, I might have missed two steers the rest of the year. So, I mean, we didn't have a month of rodeo left, but well, it, it sure turned my year around. And it's just, it's crazy to think that, like, you know, sometimes a guy's just got to be able to step back and get some some perspective. Yeah, every, everybody on. needs a coach. It's, but like you said, you got to be careful about um, getting trying to get too much help and trying to go too far and losing your confidence you know sometimes the simplest thing might just fix you and and right let you go back to your routine and so yeah absolutely so you're 20 years old when you first started rodeoing and you pro rodeoed for two years and then you were 17th in the world 
I see, I was 17th when I was 21. So one year. One year. Into rodeoing. Yeah, yeah, it was, uh, I think, the first year I went to 91 rodeos, right. and I missed it by 2,000. So, it, obviously, in that last month, you're pretty close. Like, you're, were you on right. the, were you oh, in the top? I was 16th guy for So the you were on month. the bubble I was the right time. there, close. Um, you know, at the time, I'm thinking I'm entered enough. I'm entered up plenty. Right. If you can't get there in these rodeos, you know, if you had it to do all over again, you'd borrow the money to get to those extra nine rodeos. I sure. mean, but at the time, we thought it was plenty of rodeos, and it, you know, it always comes down to one steer. At least you hope so. That's that's one thing that that's always been fun is if you have a chance on the last steer, you've yeah. had a decent year. Right. Right. Absolutely. Well, then, you know, to to think about that there's so many different ways to go you, i mean you hadn't been pro rodeo on that long and then obviously to be that close has to feel great but then at the same time it's like it, it, you know you what do you what do you do at that point what's going through your mind when you when you finish what's your mentality as, as the well, year ends like that it's funny that i mean honestly you know roping where we roped and there's a ton of ropers and and uh and and it was guys that you looked up to that came from where we came from. Like Brett Gould was one of my big heroes. Frank Graves, um, Speedy, of course. But it's just guys that that's from the East Coast that you look up to your whole life. You see them at Ropens, you know. It, that's right. a huge deal. The fact that you could see them at Ropens and kind of knew them a little bit, and and then so you you kind of set your goals to you know hope that you could make the NFR one day and. Like you said, when you finish 16th or 17th or 20th or, I mean, there's how many ropers in the world? It's huge at that time. So I guess when I finish 16th, I'm like, man, if I, you know, if I tried a little harder, right. I can get there. Right. And so it, you know, I had definitely, I learned a lot that year rodeoing and, and I'd missed too many steers still at that point. I would go fast and I could, at that time, it was funny how, how opposite that I am now. Like then I would go fast all the time and win day monies is how I made the first NFR. Right. Pretty much by day monies, but not by average checks. And then now it seems like the best way for me to get money is through the average checks. Sure. And the day monies are tough, you know, one headers and stuff. But um, anyhow, I was like, what I was meaning though is when later on, I'd been to the finals three times and I decided that that I wasn't, you know, your your whole life you want to be a world champion, and and that's your goal. But right. I tried as hard as I thought I could try, and it just wasn't. It's hard. I mean, it was. Right. I was barely getting to the finals. You know, I didn't do. I didn't. But anyhow, I finished fifteenth. I make the NFR. And two thousand and six, and I roped with Al Bach, and we ended up. I finished second after right. the NFR, and I missed it by 800 bucks. And immediately, I'm like, once again, if I just tried just a little harder, I, be, I can win. I, can, I could be the champ. If right. I tried just a little harder and believed I could do it, right. and that next year, you know, I, I come back, and it's pretty much the same situation, and, and I win. I go in number one, and I ended up winning. And but what was been hard since then is like you think well I tried hard and it paid off well I've tried just as hard right and you, and it doesn't go that way you know there's a lot of things that it, that has to go your way and have to have the right horses and 
the you know lots of stuff has to go your way it just just because you're trying hard on the inside sure it doesn't fix everything well and it just seems like there's so many trials in being a roper i mean it's there's a lot of losing involved there's a lot of ups and there's a lot of downs probably what more downs at least from my experience than the ups but that's what makes them so good it's just almost embracing the process the whole time and just it's just like you're I mean, you're out here today and every day running steers. You're telling me about how you will log, how many it takes to, to make a good horse. You're literally keeping track of your runs and, and trying to get better the whole time. It's just, it's just a never-ending process. And I think that that's almost what it is that I see with you is you've just fallen in love with that, doing your job, you know, and, and just being a roper. So that's, that's pretty cool to see. One thing... Uh, I'm kind of curious about Chad is when you're at the NFR and was that probably, had you wanted a, any big, big ropings at that point or? No, I honestly, uh, now that you asked that, I don't think, I don't think I had won hardly many big jackpots and, and, you know, I fell on the right horse at the right time and, right. and that's the horse I rode at the NFR that year. But finally the next year might've started, you know, placing at some ropings and stuff. But like you're bringing up the jackpots, I remember going to roping after roping and never winning. Right. But kept entering. I mean, like, just so finally, I had lost for two years. Just every jackpot. Get lucky if the roping was easy. Sure. And catch my cows and win. But um, so I set a year out on jackpot. I wasn't going to jackpot. I was just going to watch ropings. And man, that was, you're watching these guys make, the money at the jackpots, that's where you're getting right. your money to rodeo on and your extra money. And I don't even have a chance if I don't enter. Sure. So, And it's just constantly, uh, I think jackpotting like that, you, you, get, you get a lot out of competition. And I think you get a lot of feel for making winning runs and learning how to win. I, I know that, I mean, you hear it a lot, but can you kind of tell me as far as how jackpotting and, and learning how to jackpot ha has helped out your you know the other parts of your roping and, and your mindset yeah it um it's a uh, you know and like you said earlier it it the older i get the more i learn it's almost like the horses that feel great at the there's very few horses that's that's great great horses that feel both feel good at both right like they they're great at jackpots they're great at rodeoing so i had um this winter i'd accumulated me some horses and i'm thinking man i'm gonna be better prepared this year than ever i had nine horses that you could haul somewhere and i never did get in rhythm with any of them right because the ones that i thought were good to jackpot on they weren't great rodeo horses and then so it, i had to narrow it down to where i had four horses and kind of use them and stay in a rhythm with them the ones that was good for jackpots i'd try to use them at the jackpots and the ones that was rodeo horses kind of use them at the rodeos but um, last year I set a year off from rodeoing and the guys that had been gone rodeoing, they come home at the end of the summer right? and we go to a jackpot at Austin Robertson's. And when we get there, it's me and some other guys that rope really, really good. And the guys that had been gone rodeoing all year, that's been dueling it out with each other. It was ridiculous. We would be, I would be making good runs and be seven and they would be five, 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 six. Right. Like it was nothing for him to halfway go at a steer jackpotting. I mean, 
like their controlled run was a second and a half faster than what I was doing. Right. So it proves that you have to go compete with them. All the time. All the time. And it's getting to where the more, the more guys you get together, the more it feels like it's it's a really controlled rodeo run, just just it like is. you said. That it is. It seems like learning that rodeo run and that jackpotting run are starting to become. A, it was like you you rodeoed or you jackpotted, but it's almost like they're coming together. Like you see, the rodeos are still really fast, but the jackpots are getting to the point where it's just like you said, you're making those fast runs, but it's still it's a really controlled run, and headers uh, are learning how to handle steers better and from longer line and it's just it's crazy how the sport evolves and and that's from everyone competing day in and day out all year you know not just for the three months out of the summer it's the two or three jackpots and stuff that you go to a week and, and just kind of constantly be thrown in the fire with these guys is it just makes everyone sharper don't you think i do i do and and i think what's funny is the younger kids it's that's coming up through it They've handled a rope since they're five or six years old. I don't think they have to concentrate on how they actually head the steer. They're after them. Right. They leave the box and they're after the cow. And the first shot they get, they take it. They don't question how to put the head rope on. They're not questioning if they're, they're going to get their horse quick. They're not worried about it. They're trying to turn the steer as fast as they can five, on each steer. Right. And... Man, that's hard. To, it's hard to go set it up perfect when you go that fast. So, like you said, I mean, you you just almost have to somewhat go at each steer. And and used to, it seemed like when you drawed a good one, you could just catch him and you would be ahead anyhow. Right. Well, they blast the good ones. <laughs> the ones that they catch is the ones that's run outrunning them. Right. And they'll still re reach at them, but they make it up on the slow ones. So. I was uh, I was talking to Luke about uh, just my heading this last spring, and he's telling me he's like he's like you know you you're a fine pace. He said you like your swing and whatever, and he says but when you're getting across the line, you've got to be looking for that shot. And he's he's like me when I'm getting close to the flagger, I'm I want to use my rope at that point. If I'm not close enough to the steer, I got to use my rope. And him just saying that is like I hadn't really thought about about that mindset of how aggressive you know you really are at jackpotting. I know. I mean, I've always just looked to use my horse a ton, and here's a you know one of my favorite headers, anyways. And you're like, man, that's that is really it's in a, just a mindset that I hadn't adopted at all as far as jackpotting goes. You know. So Chad, you see a lot of young guys that are wanting to come up and go through the ranks and and improve with their roping. How do you uh, how do you best recommend they do that as far as understanding how to handle the ups and the downs of of rodeoing and and kind of put themselves in situations where they can be successful? You know, I had a lot of help when I first come out here. Uh, I uh, I had one of our good friends that would you know he'd send me some money to keep jackpot known from time to time and 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 like you have to you have to enter. Even while you're out here, you know, you want to save your money the best you can. But if you're going to be gone for a month, you need to enter up as much as you can. Um, but you, like you said, you're going you're gonna, to you're gonna lose and it's going to keep knocking you down. But um, it, it's like amazing to me when you bring up Luke Brown 
Luke Brown made the NFR when he was 33. Yeah, 33 but, was his first NFR. So, I mean, and look how much better he's, he's just got better every year. Right. He's better now than he was then. I mean, so you never know when it's going to click to you. Right. I mean, even me, I, 26, 27, I'd learn more about roping. I'd learn more about, you know, the art of it instead of just roping. Sure. Like my whole life, if I was roping bad, I just ran more steers right. to get a feel for it. You do have to have a feel for it, but you need to understand what makes the head loop go on or what makes you catch, what make, you know, the understand a lot more about your rope that I had no clue about. I didn't know bottom strand, top strand. I just knew when my swing felt right, I felt like I was going to rope good that day. Right. Just and that's not good enough. You can't, <laughs> if you're roping bad when you're rodeoing, you can't, you have to be able to fix it in your head going to the next rodeo. Absolutely. So it's it's got to be a way that you do it and understand it. So That's great. So being around these jackpots and, uh, you know, going back to, you were successful at the finals, and that was that was probably your first real big coming onto the the scene. What was your first big jackpot that you that you placed at? You know, I, it probably just standing out would be winning the George Strait. Right. I'd uh, I'd made the top fifty one time before that year, and it was in two thousand nine. You know, I might have made the top fifty a couple times, but never never really done done good there maybe one eighth maybe twice right. you know placed a couple times but um you know i had the greatest horse that i ever had at the time and had rode him there two or three years in a row and and uh, i ended up winning first and fourth and just to get that much money at one time i mean it was day. yeah it was a it's it's huge to you know it help you pay your you know help me pay my place and sure big down payment but um What's hard is, is you look up to those guys that go to those ropings and have repeat wins. And, you know, I've never never really come back and done good there. And um, I still haven't, I think I have won, the best I've won at the BFI is fifth. Right. And I've been 16 or 17 times, 16 times. There's a lot of losing in ropings sometimes anyways. Yes, yes it there's, is. There's some of those ropings that it's just, it, it really has to fall your way sometimes. So you won first and fourth at the straight. How old were you when you won that? I think I must have been, I don't even remember. I would have been 28, maybe. 28 years old. Mm -hmm. How much did you, did you think you won right there? I think I won 130. 130,000. 130, so. It's so crazy to think. Like, I mean, like you said, it's kind of, I mean, it probably still has an effect on you today. Uh, I mean. It just helps you, like you said, put yourself in a situation where you're buying a place and all of a sudden owning property and, and you're ahead on payments and you're not worrying about it. It's, it's crazy to think that, you know, I mean, that was probably one of the, the bigger moments of your career as far as put you in the situation that you get to be in today. So that's, that's pretty cool to, to even just have that chance, you know. Right. So what is your favorite ropings like that? Not necessarily the big opens, but kind of the smaller opens. What do you like to go to? You know, we go to a ton of ropens, um, and and here lately, it it seems like it would be hard to put a roping on. I mean, it would be hard for a guy to know what people want to go to or not go to. But Austin, he does a he does a great job. Austin Robertson does a great job of mixing it up, 
you know, he'll have six head ropings in her one time, and he ropes pretty decent steers. It's pretty fresh. And some days you just catch your six and you win. Some days it's it can be tough, but for the most part, if you go catch your six steers, you get a check. Right. And then uh, here lately, he's been having some more ropings. It's in her twice, you know, and five head ropings, and they're a little tougher, but sure you know it, it the setups are fine the setups are not too hard and you can get away with riding a younger horse or you know maybe not have to ride your good horse every time yeah just something with a good good solid start that is just not you know i've got them terribly hard and you can right. use your horses and, and make good fast runs but nothing crazy is happening yeah right well as far as the open ropings going on and and you talked about being an open rope producer how do you feel the how do you feel like, I mean, uh, to me, this is my example. I, I go back home for the circuit finals, and they have this open roping that they put on. Uh, they add a couple thousand at it, and it's a, it's a great deal. The producer's not making any money. And, um, you know, and then, then they'll have it, and something will go wrong that day, whether it's maybe some, they didn't have the cattle that they thought, or, you know, it's just not a, the production that, that they wanted to do and it's it's not a very fun roping for the open roper but at the same time the producer isn't making any money either and it's it's understanding that like that's hard to to be because i'm putting my money up and and they're ha trying to help us out as far as understanding right. what what's happening and, and to me it's it's crazy to to think that <laughs> you know some of the open ropings will you know they don't they're not wanting to put them on and but it, it that relationship between the roper and the producer and the, and the people that are helping the producer, you know, because sponsors are such a big deal and, and having these people that want to support open ropers, you know, you've got to give them something to support. And, you know, even if they're, I feel like if it might not be the rope and there's always ways to communicate how to get the rope that you want and, and then how to conduct yourself too is it's so important to, uh, I just don't think the producers get to hear from, very happy guys you know it's either the one that won the roping or the one that lose the roping or that are, that are well upset. that's a that's a tough subject it's, it's it shouldn't be a tough subject but the older i get the the you see that you see you see that they're donating a you know all the money goes back to the open roping right and you see that it's no cattle charge some of them and they're trying to help you know they want to have an open roping right. they want people to be able to come watch it and they're trying to help well like you said sometimes someone made it might have donated the cows too right so therefore they might not be the best set of steers and something's going to go wrong and it you know whether the setup ends up not being fair or being fair it, it's such a hard call because it you see the younger guys get aggravated sometimes and and it's hard it's hard because it might not the setup might not look fair or the situation might not be fair, but it's not like the guys aren't trying to help us. Right. And, you know, you got to just pick your battles like on what's, what's fair and, and maybe realize, hey, you know what, this is, this is why the roping could pay this much. Right. You know, we got steers donated and they're not, they're not making any money with the roping. So just make the best of the situation and, and try to get through it. Well, and absolutely. And, and then being able to communicate, you know, being able to communicate to the producer that, hey, maybe next year we, you know, we can help. Or as the producers, too, that 
they can ask ropers. I'm sure every open roper would give you their feedback of what they think would be a good rope. And, and, and really just trying to open those lines of communication, I think is a, it's an important thing because, you know, we, we're trying to grow the sport and, and that's kind of what, what it is, is most young kids don't want to be a, a four healer or a four header when they grow up. They want to be Chad Masters and Clay Cooper and Speed Williams and, and guys that they get to watch at these open ropings. And so it's, it's really trying it's, to influence the sport in a positive manner. I remember uh, we lived in Tennessee and the U.S. finals, you know, we were just starting rope, so we were low numbers. And my dad was, you know, he would come out, but we wouldn't rope till probably the middle of the week. But we would leave four days early to watch the Open. And I remember being 11 years old and just to be in the same hallway, the same, the same with, within 50 foot right. of Clay Cooper's buckskin horse, Ike. I could not believe that was happening. Right. Like, I couldn't believe that I was that close to his horse right. or him. Like, it was so big to me. You, you knew it, at that age, you watched roping video after roping video. You knew their horses' names. You knew, you knew more. You thought you knew them, but you never met them. You never, right. you never been close to them. But it was huge for me to get to go watch that. And, um, and we would go out and watch Guthrie. We'd go watch Oklahoma City. And, uh, and it was, you know, it was a big influence to me. And then when I was 17, we'd, uh, they had bought me a ticket for my senior vacation, our senior, for graduating right. to go watch the NFR. That's pretty cool. And I always thought that I would never go unless I made it. But just being there, it made you just want to go that much more. It, just to be inspiring. able to see those guys and see, yeah, it's very inspiring. It, it makes me mad at the kids, which I'm as bad as anyone to throw a fit. I mean, I don't throw a fit at the, I try not to. I throw a fit at somebody's horse kicking my horse. Like, right. I got a temper that's terrible. Sure. Like, I tell everyone I need medicine all the time, and right. no one believes me. <laughs> like, they're like, you're too I, nice for that. medicine. And I'm like, that, no. I, I get, I will bang right. my head against the barn. Like, I need medicine, but I get that mad at the ropings. But I know not to act like that. Or right. these kids, they will, they'll jerk the cow down and drag him out of the arena. And that's not helping anything. That makes the roper, that makes them not want to put on open ropings. Right. Low number guys don't do that. You know, they don't blame the steer. I mean, a rerun's a rerun, but no, I mean, it's almost like the hardest thing is if they have an open rope and they don't need to do reruns. Like, just say, hey, hey this is the cows, this is how they are. Just like a rodeo. This is like a rodeo. I mean, <laughs> if we take him out, we'll give you a rerun. Well, so. and, and I think one thing, it sucks because you're, there's not enough money in the industry for these open ropers. I, I mean, Jake Long was telling me this the other day, and I couldn't believe it, but he's like, the year I won the straight, uh, he didn't have enough money to enter, and uh, Bob Burke paid his fees. And, you know, here's one of, I mean, one of the better healers going, and, and, and you forget that. Like, when you're out there on your milk money, it's really hard to take losing on the chin. And, and, but if you can do that, you're, I think you're only going to become a, a better person and, ha and get more respect from people. But that's, that's a hard thing for, it's, hard, it's a hard thing to communicate because I, I get, I think I get the most upset out of everyone when I lose. And, you know, it's, I, uh, there's just a lot of losing involved. And so the first year I made the finals, 
I was roping with Michael Jones and at, at Laughlin was the same time as Logandale yep. back then. And I had $700. That's all I had. I didn't even have a bank account. <laughs> I had $700 in my pocket. Right. And we we're entered in three more rodeos. And I'm like, hey, I'm sorry, man, but I, I will borrow some money, but you need to find another partner because I, I have to go home. Like right. I cannot keep going anymore. And he's like, he just looks at me, shakes his head, and he's like, we're not going home. And I'm like, well, I don't know what we're going to do because I, I don't have enough money to keep going. I mean, we come back, we make the best run I've ever made. We're five flat, and we don't even place. And then I'm like, man, this is not going to work. This yeah. ain't going to work. And we drive straight back to Huntsville, and we win the first round. And we drive to Austin that night, and we win the first round. And we go back to Huntsville. We win second in the second round. We go in second in the second round at Austin. And we come back and win the third and the third round, I think, and win the average. And then I did run through the barrier and miss the short round at Austin. And the next week was the Hork Dog. And that was one of my first big ropings. That would have been it. And uh, I had 14000 yeah. No, I had 20000 I had 20000 in my bank. I had a bank then. It, it's so cool to think, though. I mean, just just like that, you're you're three or four steers away from going home. Yeah. And just, all of a sudden, in three or four steers, you're you're set up. I mean, fourteen thousand is probably enough to at least get you through to oh, give it an honest go of trying right. to make the finals. That's and, right. And and really, probably had a, a lot to do with you making the finals. And and you just never know how close you are to those moments until they're they're in the past, and you're like, wow, that was that's right. That was a huge moment. And, that's exactly right. And but it, there it, there's so many of those moments, and then there's so many of the moments that. You know, if you would have lost right there and went home, you would have had to make the most of it then. And so to understand that maybe, it, you know, losing isn't, it's such a big part of what we do that you can't let it define you. You have to get better from it and understand that whatever happened, I, you know, I sucked that day, drew bad steers. You, you got to be able to, to move on from it and, and to make the most out of the, the next situation That's right. it, it, and like you said it doesn't matter if you've missed the last 10 or you've turned the last 10 the one that matters is the next one you run right so it i mean you can however you got to talk yourself into the fact that whether you got to pump yourself up or calm yourself down whatever it takes to turn the next year that's what you have to be able to yeah absolutely absolutely so do you get nervous still oh yeah yeah, yeah, it, it, it uh, and you know, you, you get tapped off or you get in a rhythm and get some confidence in a horse. If, if my, if my horse is working good or I got confidence in my horse, it's so much easier for me to, for me to do my job. But like, you know, going to a fly to a rodeo, it's best for me to make sure I have one of my horses sitting there. Not that they're any better, just me knowing the horse right. is huge. Um, me wondering what's going to happen when the gates bangs. Not, it not is it, it's so hard for me to to react off of that you know if i know if i know the horse i've had some horses it's not that great but i know them and you can always rope around them a little bit right your third nfr was that the year you won the world i think so yep that and, one. Uh, no fourth fourth, fourth nfr, NFR. Mm -hmm. and the year before 
you were second in the world, and Al Bach won the world. He won right? the world. That's right. Are you any more nervous going into that NFR as you kind of get closer to the end and you can see all of a sudden you've got a chance to, to win a world title? Or does your mindset change? or? You know, I don't know how you, you uh, I don't know how you prepare yourself. The, the only thing that I can remotely put that much pressure or make you that nervous is, uh, that's not a good example, um, is uh, like you have, like, like far as NFR, that first night, it's like the first time you've ever run one there. Right. Like I'm, I'm that nervous. I don't know how to, you know, I don't know how you, it definitely helps that you've been there. But it, uh, you know, you don't get you don't get comfortable to the probably the fourth round. The atmosphere is different. You just don't get it. I mean, the smell, like the temperature of that place. Like literally, I just remember thinking of those things like that when I, like I, at Houston this year, I could really feel it. Like it's that's just, right. It's just different. It's that's just exactly a different right. Atmosphere. Houston, and you know, that's a great example. It's, uh, it's. Uh, I think it's something that you've, you know, you. You don't know that you're putting that much pressure on yourself, but you've just dreamed of it so long and right. you've built it up to what it, I mean, and it is that big. I mean, it, it, it's, as, it's as big as it gets, but, you know, there's still things that have to happen. It's still a rope and shoot. It's still the same setup that we've been practicing. It's still a cow. I mean, you still have to be in the moment. Talk yourself into the fact that right. you still have to rope. Right. Like you cannot just be a part of it and it go good. Yeah, like yeah. you still like just because you're here doesn't mean that it's either going to go good or go bad, which that is the truth. But you you still have to do the fundamentals, and you you got to focus somehow. Yeah. And I don't I don't know how you talk yourself into it. I'm sure everyone's different. Um, for me, about five steers before I rope, I I don't watch anything but my cow. Like as soon as I can see my steer come in. I focus on him. Right. Because it doesn't matter what someone else's steer does or it matters when my cow goes, I can go. Right. And just competing on your steer. That's right. It's, it's, and it's hard. I mean, when you, from the tunnel, when you're looking out, it looks like they're blasting them and all you can see is the clock right. and it says four flat. <laughs> and you're like, man, they're already that fast tonight. Yeah. And then the next guy is fast. I mean, and, and you're there and you want to win. You can't just go there and just try to catch Right. I mean, I know if you catch 10, it's going to pay off really good. Sure. But it's also a lot of other money that you could be winning. Right. Guys just got to have, I mean, that's why you're, you're here today, running that's right. 50 head a day or 30, whatever it is. Yeah. You're, you're trying to have the confidence built up that you know if you want to try to win a day money or if you got the right type of steer and you can control the run and you need to catch him, you will. And if you need to go make a great run, you, you've got that going for you too. So that's... It's so important just going, you know, setting it up the, like you have here with the, the arena and all the measurements and being able to be prepared. Uh, and I think that really helps <laughs> go into it, I'm sure. It, it does. And, it, you know, it's been easy for me there and it's been as hard. Just can't wait for it to get over with right. the finals before. And if you're on the right horse, it's easy. And if you're on the wrong horse, I mean, it's as, it's as awkward as, sure. as anything. So. You just hope that your horse fits the situation, and and uh, I've made mistakes of taking way too many horses every year. What's What's funny, and and I know this doesn't answer that question, but your question earlier was like advice for young kids. Like, 
whoever wins the roping that day, whether it's a big roping or a small roping, right. they planned on winning that roping. Yep. They roped to win the roping. Like they knew they were going to win the roping before it ever happened. So right. if you're there and you're hoping that it, you win it or you're hoping it goes your way, that little bit of doubt that you have it's not my biggest days. I knew what rope I was going to use. I knew what horse I was going to ride. And I had somewhat of a game plan. And that was, it, it was successful. Huh. So what's hard is actually believing that you're going to win that day. You can't just tell yourself, oh, I'm going to win and overcome it. But you got to have confidence in your horse and your ropes and your, your swing and, and the way that you're going to approach to make the runs. And because whoever wins that day, that's what that's what they were going to have. Absolutely. Every every big jackpot. When you watch someone win something big, they outroped everyone. Right. But they started from the first steer. Like you could tell that that they had the confidence and and um, I don't know. I don't know how how you make yourself believe it or. But the 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 being scared to win, it it doesn't. No. It doesn't work that way. Yeah, and and I think that's where it becomes so important to to compete just like you said you i mean your first couple years rodeo 120 amateur rodeos and i'm sure that wasn't in 365 days i mean it might kind of probably 90 of them were probably we condensed to, down to like we went to 60 it, or 70 it was it was i think we went to maybe 90 and 70 days or right. something so and and just learning how to to compete and how to believe in yourself and it i think it takes being in competition a lot you know it takes right. a lot of jackpot and it takes a lot of rodeoing takes a lot of practice to to build that belief and that when I show up I'm going to win you know and that's that's it's really hard to teach that mentality it's like a, you have to almost earn that mentality that's right that's right and, and 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 for me it was it was hard with the confidence you know you you struggled coming up or you struggled you know getting partners or right. and then just because you struggled doesn't mean that you're not going to overcome it I mean, right. there's always a chance that you're going to get better at all the time. I mean, yeah. that's what you're working at it for is to get better. So there's plenty of room. Sure. Plenty I mean, of time. You're just a couple steers away from it all changing, really, right. at all times. I mean, and everyone is, and that's that's pretty cool to... I know. I mean, like, I, I, I don't know. I mean, I hope that we talked about enough that Austin can use whatever we talked about, but... I want to whip some of these kids. I want to just ride out there and whip them with my rope and tell them, go outside and whip me instead of, like, just beat me up instead of taking it out on this guy. Right. Like, it don't, that is not getting us anywhere. Especially no. the less ropings that they are and they're healing them and dragging them out of the arena and they're, it is not good. So, well, I mean, that's it. Is It doesn't matter what, like, the straight and now they might be doing the wildfire again, I hear, but right. just the fact that I mean, there's some of these guys that have done so much for the sport, and then they're oh, getting th crucified. I right. mean, that's right. I, 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 well, the last year I won the wildfire, it was supposed to pay twenty five thousand. Right. Well, he just brings it out of his bank account. I mean, out of his pocket. Okay. A man of my word, it pays fifty thousand this year, which it didn't maybe the last time, but right. It, and and that's what that's what makes it so tough. And you even look at like the the hork dog. I mean. That guy has put a ton of money. I mean, I remember when I went to oh. the very first one and my dad was heading there and I watched and 
I don't know that there was stock charge and he had a barbecue and it was, it was awesome. And, you know, I mean, you, you do something like that for, I mean, it's been, it was for, $300 fees because Tom Bourne, that was my first year rodeo. Right. And, um, he made me pay his fees to get trip with him, which is, that's huge. I didn't care. That's yeah. awesome. Well, I got to win half of his money if we won, and we won fifth, maybe. Right. Fourth or fifth, and I won like $6,000 that day. Yeah. Like, it, there's no way it would pay that much. There's, there's two moments that have really jumped out in my roping. Uh, one was you did it, and the other one was Driggers. And it was two, I, I will not forget this one. It was two or three years ago at Fort Worth at the USTRC roping. And you had an illegal head catch. It was a, a hickeyed horn or something. I, I mean, but it was, you could see it from where I was in the stands and I could see it easily. And the flagger missed it and you'd held the steer and we kind of, he just went to the catch pen and, and they flagged you a clean run and you come around and you told the flagger that, it, you know, you guys, you had a bad head catch and, and to take you out of the rope. And what it was funny. Another time. And, and I, well, I remember you saying, you know what, these are my friends that I'm competing against and I don't want to beat them like that. And just that that mindset was, I was like, man, that, that was pretty cool to, to do because I don't know, 99 out of 100 ropers don't say anything and I'm guilty of that. I know that I've had some illegal head oh, catches. Oh, I've done it both ways. Right. I was raised, uh, there was a guy that we looked up to and, and, and I'm not mad if anyone never says nothing. It is the flagger's job. Right. It is. I believe that 100%. But I had wrote my whole life with believing that if, if you got a bad head catch, and it's the flagger's job to see it. If he asked you, tell the truth. Right. Well, I had, you know, won a couple things, and it, it, it hurt people. It hurt them from winning. You know, it, it's kept them from winning big. And then I just decided one day that I was going to tell them. And... From that day on, it seems like I've haltered more noses since that day <laughs> than, than I did before. Right. But it's it's really made me stand up to my word because that haltered nose, I don't know where it comes from, but it, it will get me. And they don't see it. And they don't see it. So I've learned to not, I just undally. And then it doesn't, because some flaggers, they're offended for you questioning Tell, them, telling right. them. It is their job. And it embarrasses them when they don't catch something. So... I've learned just to ignore the partner being mad at you or your flagger. As soon as I see it, I just turn my rope loose now and I get a no time anyhow. Right. And then, but uh, that day, previous to that, at the U.S. finals, that American, I'd roped a leg. Right. At Oklahoma City. It was finally my first chance of winning big healing. And I'd roped the left leg and it looks like I have two feet. Right. No one's even at the other building. It's a, it's in the little building. Right. It's second or third. Oh, no yeah. one. Yeah. I, I got a leg and Brooke rides up and he's like, man, honestly, I think you had him rope, but did you had him rope, right? And I'm like, no, I got a freaking leg. And he just shakes his head at me <laughs> and sticks his hand up. Plus yeah. five. There's no, no one would have known. And right. he just sticks his hand up. Plus five. So then I get the next rope and we go to that he's flagging. I get the halter nose and I'm thinking he sees it. I, I see it. I'm thinking he sees it. Get the stream shoot. I tell the guy, hey, will you radio up there and tell him I got a bad head catch? Right. He's like, I ain't saying nothing. Well, 
can't ch trust a strip and shoot guy because I'm like, no, you need to tell him. And he's like, I ain't saying nothing. It ain't my job. Right. By the time I get up there, they've already radioed it. And I wanted him to, but it was funny like he wouldn't have got away with it. So I tell him and I ride out there and he's like, I didn't see it. And I'm like, well, I'm telling you, I had a haltered nose. And he's like, I didn't see it. I said, well, I ain't leaving this arena till you give me a no time. And that was that day. Yeah. So.